Okay, welcome. Uh, glad you're here. Let me go ahead and um, point out or remind whatever is necessary. If you do not have uh, one or any of these three items, you will want to go to the table in the back and grab tonight's bulletin. And uh, did, the, did the pen bucket make it back there as well? Okay, so grab a pen. And if you do not have uh, your own copy of the Bible, please take a Bible from the table. You'll need all three of those things for what we are about to do. <clears throat> We're going to mix up the normal order of events here tonight just a little bit. And we're going to sing at the end our um, message tonight is actually going to be on singing and, uh, and musical worship. So I thought it best for us to sing at the end and that way we can apply some of the things that we're going to learn from God's Word tonight. The last few weeks we have uh, thought together a little bit about the idea of worship and uh, what it means and what it doesn't mean and uh, what it looks like and how we can practice it uh, both together and then also individually. Uh, tonight I have asked uh, someone who actually has spent some time, a good amount of time, probably more time than I have, uh, thinking about the relationship between music and worship, and I wanted him to teach on this subject for us. So tonight, uh, Mr. Grant Dix is going to uh, speak to us. Before he comes, yes, yes. Before he comes, he has asked me to uh, read from Revelation 15, starting in verse 2. And John writes this, Revelation 15, verse 2. And I saw what appeared to be a sea of glass mingled with fire, and also those who had conquered the beast and its image, and the number of its name, standing beside the sea of glass with harps of God in their hands. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Grant, come speak to us, please. Okay. So today we're actually uh, not going to be reading out of Revelation, um, but it said there um, that they're going to be that they were singing the song of Moses. So we're going to turn to uh, Deuteronomy 32 uh, and actually look at one of the two songs of Moses that we have in the Old Testament. So go ahead and turn there. Um, 
Now, we have been going through the series, We Become Like What We Worship. We've been sort of mirroring what uh, the church has been doing on Sunday mornings uh, with their series called uh, Worship Wars. Uh, This past week, if you were here, you got to hear a great message from Pastor Kelly, um, a very unique message um, outlining how prayer can help us in um, the war and worship wars, um, helping us to worship God better. Um, Now, we've studied uh, the sort of the the name of this series, We Become Like What We Worship. Uh, We've talked about the truth behind that, how what we focus on does uh, certainly determine what we start to look like. Uh, We've also talked about how the reading of Scripture helps us become like God, how the preaching of Scripture and listening to others preach the Word of God also helps us become like Him. Um, Now, the term worship will usually cause people to think of music, uh, so we saw it fitting to also include uh, a message on music. I'm going to also turn to the right passage. All right. Um, Today we have two primary questions uh, to answer. You'll see those. Those are the two main points uh, in your bulletin there. The first question that we will be answering tonight is, what do we sing? Or what does the church sing? What what do God's children sing? Uh, Before we dive deeper into this, let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you for this time. Um, I thank you for the the freedom to gather and to worship you uh, as we do our very best to to focus on and to worship you so that we might become more like you. Uh, I pray you give us wisdom and speak to us through your word. Uh, Let these words not be from me, but be um, holy from you. Um, And if anything I say is from myself, let it be ignored. Thank you again for this time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right. So Deuteronomy is the the last book that Moses wrote in the Old Testament. It's the last book of the Pentateuch. Um, And Deuteronomy 32 is very close to the end of this book. In fact, in Deuteronomy 34, Moses dies. Spoiler alert. Um, But 32 is sort of Moses' charge to the Israelites before... Uh, He dies. He knows that the end of his life is coming, so he wants to give a few pointers to them. Uh, And in that, he decides to do it through a song, Um, a bit of a lengthy song, um, but music makes things more memorable, so he chose to do it in this fashion. Um, Also, at this point, the Israelites weren't doing the greatest at um, following God and focusing on God. You can see that uh, in the last verses of chapter 31, um, especially verse 27. For I know how rebellious and stubborn you are. Behold, even today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more after my death? So Moses is sort of predicting um, that people aren't going to worship God and they're going to 
become less like him because they are worshiping other things, and he intends to use this song to cause people to focus on him and thus to become more like God. Um, so what do we sing? We can, we can see a lot of things pointed out throughout this passage. Uh, the first one is sort of a little bit of a stretch, but is made clear in just reality as well as other places in the Bible, and that is the universality of musical worship. Um, verse 1 says, Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and let the earth hear the words of my mouth. Um, the entire earth will pay attention to this song. We see in Revelation that we have um, all the peoples coming together on the new heaven, new earth, and all people sing. Um, I've been I've been able to study music and worship from countries all over the world, and music is a universal thing. Um, so the first point is universality of music. Uh, he goes on to point out his purpose in this. May my teaching drop as the rain. May my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass and like showers upon the earth. So this is just the beginning of his song, the introduction to his song. Uh, next, we see the first thing that's important for us to have in all of our worship music. Um, and that is, we sing the attributes of God. Um, look at uh, look at verses three and four, uh, and try to count um, try to count the different attributes or names that they give God. See if you see if you came up with the same number that I do. Uh, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. How many different descriptions did you count of God in that passage? Nobody actually counted? Seven? Okay, yeah. I, I think I might have gotten nine, but it's between, between seven and nine. He's, Moses is just pointing out the different names of God that we have here. Um, he's perfect. Uh, he's faithful. He's without iniquity. He's just. He is the rock. He's stable. He is great. Just so many different, um, so many different attributes and names of God in just two verses. And yeah, it's it, all of them very true. Um, Before going on to the rest of his song, he makes sure that these people understand who God is. Think of the songs that we sing. Do our songs still give all of the different names and the different attributes of God? You'll get a chance later to, to listen to the music that we do play, and I hope that you consider the different attributes that we sing about God. They're all important. All right, so the next point is we sing of uh, we sing of what God has done. Now this uh, this is clear both here and in uh, 
Moses's second song or first song technically in Exodus 15, which is right after they were freed from Egypt. He has a lengthy song talking about how the Lord freed them from Egypt, but it's evident in here too. Uh, look with me. Uh, actually, look with me at verse 10. He found him in a desert land and in the howling waste of the wilderness. He encircled him. He cared for him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that serves up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. This is just Moses describing how God has protected his people through the wilderness, found him in the land of Egypt, took him took them out of the land of Egypt. So in our worship, we remember what God has done. Um, again, I hope you pay attention to some of the songs that we, we sing. We might not have all the same national stories as Israel had, but we all have stories of what God has done for us. So next... Um, The next point is less of an encouraging point. It's encouraging afterwards, but it's not encouraging at first. We acknowledge our stance before God. We acknowledge our stance before God. For that, we're going to look at verses 15 through 22. Um, Actually, we're going to skip down to... um, 15 through 18 also pointed out, but we're going to skip down to verse 19. The Lord sought and spurned them. Because of the provocation of his sons and daughters, he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faithfulness. They have made me jealous with what is no God. They have provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will make them jealous with those who are no people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. For a fire is kindled by my anger, and it burns to the depths of Sheol, devours the earth and its increase, sets on fire the foundations of the mountain. So at this point, Moses is describing um, what Israel's rebellion should have earned them and is the complete wrath of God. They themselves stand guilty before God. Um, They're deserving of his judgment and deserving of hell. And that too is our stance before God without Christ. that we, we should be singing about our stance before Christ as we were before we were Christians to remember all that Christ has done for us. Um, it's really, I think it's really important that we acknowledge that reality uh, in our music. So the next point has uh, two points. We sing of what God will do. The reason this one has two points is because God will act differently to two separate groups of people. Um, 
So before we actually, first let's look at what he does to his enemies. That's the first sub point there, what he does to his enemies. Um, we heard a little bit of that in the first verses. Um, but if we look at 23, Moses in this song continues to talk about what God does to his enemies. And I will heap disasters upon them. I will spend my arrows on them. They will be wasted with hunger and devoured by plague and poisoned, poisonous pestilence. I will send the teeth of beasts against them with the ven- venom of things that crawl in the dust. So we... Now, we, we don't necessarily sing um, emphasizing what God does to those who remain non-Christians. We, we don't rejoice in the punishment of others. But we sing about what God does to his enemies because we understand that we were once his enemies. This was what we deserved to begin with. Now, we contrast this with singing about what God does for his children. That's the next subpoint. what God does for his children. Uh, look at verse 36. Um, for the Lord will vindicate his people and who will have compassion on his servants when he sees their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Then he will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they took refuge? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. And there is no one that can deliver out of my hand. So we see that if we are the children of God, there is none that can deliver out of his hand. That's, that's a key point right there. Um, now this can be seen, God's protection again can be clearly seen uh, in Moses' first song in Exodus 15. Um, I would encourage you to, to read that. Uh, it's another great example of worship. Um, another great example of what we should sing. Um, Now, we've answered the question of what do we sing with a few points, things that should pop up in all of our songs and things that I hope you look out for when we we sing in just a couple minutes. Um, We sing of the attributes of God. We sing of what he has done. We acknowledge our stance before God what he does to his enemies, and what he does for his children. Now, we'll, it's also important to look at why we sing. Excuse me. Um, and we have a few reasons for that. The first re- reason is to remember what God has done. Um, we are a forgetful people, just as the nation of Israel was a forgetful people. You read through their history and many, many, many times they forgot what God has do- had done for them. That's in the beginning, why this song existed was to remind the nation of Israel of what God had done for them. 
Um, So we sing to remember what God has done for us. We sing to reflect him better. That's been, that's been our theme the past couple weeks. We become like what we worship. Um, by singing songs of worship to God, um, by proclaiming his attributes, by singing of what he has done for others, we are more inclined to um, put effort into reflecting him. So we sing to remember what he has done, and we sing to reflect him better. Uh, the last point, for the last point, go ahead and turn um, to Ephesians. Uh, it's going to be Ephesians 5, uh, verses 18 and 19. Now, there's a couple of passages like this throughout Paul's letters. I think there's another one in Colossians. Um, but it's just another, another clear reason for us to sing songs of worship to God. Um, so we'll start at the beginning of the sentence in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, um, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So we see that we're not supposed to be drunk with wine, um, which I'm hoping is something we don't struggle with here. Um, Not supposed to be drunk with wine, but instead we're supposed to be singing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We've looked at what these songs include. The, The little part of the sentence right before says, gives us another reason why we sing in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's what it looks like when we're filled with the Spirit. If we are filled with the Spirit, we will be singing um, these types of songs to God and with one another so that we might remember what God has done and so that we might reflect him better. So my, my challenge to you before we move into small groups and while we sing is to... One, first focus on worshiping when we're singing. Think about the names and the attributes that we ascribe to God in our songs. Um, but also consider, yeah, consider how those should be in the music that we listen to all the time. Um, but mostly how these should be in every song that we sing as a church. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we will sing a few songs together. Father, again, I thank you. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity to focus on you. I pray that we would do better as a church and as individuals um, at focusing on you, at remembering what you have done for us and reflecting you better. Um, I pray you would fill each of us with the Holy Spirit, that you would guide each and every one of us. Again, I thank you for this time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
stand.
Um, thank you, Grant, for helping us think about those two. And uh, thank you all for helping us to apply those truths by singing with us uh, there. Um, you are dismissed into small groups. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to find it. I was like, all right, I'm going. <laughs>